We, in, we are chapter 9 of Ezra. If you want to find Ezra, if you go to the, remember I said, if you go to the center of your Bible to Psalms and go back four books, it's kind of a tucked in there, four books before Psalms. So go ahead and find Ezra chapter 9, and we'll read that in just a second. While you're looking for that, I have a question, a group question for everybody. What comes to your mind when I ask you to define people of destiny? Who are people of destiny? We are. What else? Israelites. Israelites. How would you describe people of destiny? Chosen. Chosen. Purpose. Passion. Passion. Yeah. Lots of different attributes there. But the thing we're going to talk about today, because people of destiny, it could refer to something that didn't have to do with church, right? You could be talking about people at a job, for instance, people of destiny, people who are destined to become CEO, perhaps, you know? So what we're going to talk about today, though, with people of destiny is kind of what all of you have been referring to, and that is being a follower of Jesus Christ. It's our calling, and it's the future that we have as we follow Jesus Christ. It's our life purpose. Another group question here, this is an easier one here, is it automatic? Do we just fall into it or do we have to do something? Obedience, Obedience. yeah. Yes, it's not automatic, is it? But let me say this, when you look up destiny in the dictionary, the view of the world is that we just fall into our destiny, that we have no control over it, it's just our fate. But the Bible says, no, that's not how it is actually, because we have a free will, which means we can choose if we want to follow our calling in Jesus Christ, or we can choose if we want to be following him into what he has for us. We just don't fall into it. It isn't automatic. So today in this passage, we have a group of people in Ezra who were involved in some things that were not part of the destiny or the calling that God had for them. So let's read Ezra chapter 9. After these things had been done, the leaders came to me and said, the people of Israel, including the priests and Levites, have not kept themselves separate from the neighboring peoples with their detestable practices, like those of the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians, and Amorites. They have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons, and they have mingled the holy race with the people around them. And the leaders and officials have led the way in this unfaithfulness. When I heard this, I tore my tunic and cloak, pulled hair from my head and beard, and sat down appalled. Then everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel gathered around me because of this unfaithfulness of the exiles. And I sat there appalled until the evening sacrifice. Then at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my self-abasement with my tunic and cloak torn and fell on my knees with my hands spread out to the Lord my God and prayed. I am too ashamed and disgraced, my God, to lift up my face to you because our sins are higher than our heads and our guilt has reached to the heavens. From the days of our ancestors until now, our guilt has been great. Because of our sins, we and our kings and our priests have been subjected to the sword and captivity, to pillage and humiliation at the hand of foreign kings as it is today. 
But now, for a brief moment, the Lord our God has been gracious in leaving us a remnant and giving us a firm place in his sanctuary. And so our God gives light to our eyes and a little relief in our bondage. Though we are slaves, our God has not forsaken us in our bondage. He has shown us kindness in the sight of the kings of Persia. He has granted us new life to rebuild the house of our God and repair its ruins. And he has given us a wall of protection in Judah and Jerusalem. But now, our God, what can we say after this? For we have forsaken the commands you gave us through your servants, the prophets, when you said, the land you are entering to possess is a land polluted by the corruption of its peoples. By their detestable practices, they have filled it with their impurity from one end to the other. Therefore, do not give your daughters in marriage to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them at any time that you may be strong and eat the good things of the land and leave it to your children as an everlasting inheritance. What has happened to us is a result of our evil deeds and our great guilt, and yet, our God, you have punished us less than our sins deserve and have given us a remnant like this. Shall we then break your commands again and intermarry with the peoples who commit such detestable practices? Would you not be angry enough with us to destroy us, leaving us no remnant or survivor? Lord, the God of Israel, you are righteous. We are left this day as a remnant. Here we are before you in our guilt, though because of it, not one of us can stand in your presence. Lord, we just ask that you use this to teach us and train us in following you, Lord God, that your word would just get into our hearts and our lives, Lord, and change us to be the people you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So it starts out by saying, after these things. In other words, sometime later, the leaders come to Ezra and they tell them that the people haven't been faithful to God. And they say they haven't kept themselves separate. And when you look at the meaning uh, in that or original language, it means to set apart or make a distinction. So what they're saying is there's not so much of a distinction between them and their pagan neighbors, and they've begun doing some of the things that the neighboring people did. And for us today, we need to be concerned about this too. We need to be distinct uh, in a way that God calls us to be. Because God, it tells us in the word, he set his people apart to do his will, to be people of destiny, of God's calling. There's lots of times that the church wants to be relevant. And you hear this a lot, you know, we want to be relevant to the people around us. Well, that's good if it means that we still stay distinctive. But what happens a lot of times in the church is that we think it means we should be just like the people around us, the same hair, the same clothes. And that's not bad. But when you then take on the same attitudes, the same beliefs, the culture of the world, then we actually are not following the word of God anymore. We're following the world. And here in Ezra, apparently the same thing was happening. The people had begun to lose their distinctiveness as followers of God. And they were compromising their faith. And a good indicator of this was that they were intermarrying with the people around them. 
And this could only have happened if they stopped seeing that the people around them were no longer so evil. You know, like, well, that's okay. You know, I guess I can put up with that. Or saying stuff like that. And ignoring what God had told them in the beginning. The evil practices of the neighbors would have been added in to what they were doing as they followed God. So they're no longer honoring and worshiping God alone, but they're adding in the, the, the pagan gods into that, which means you can't, because you can't worship God and also other gods, it means that they would be compromising. And those compromises would not have ended with just worshiping the other gods. It would have invaded all the areas of their lives. So Ezra here tears his cloak and his tunic and pulled out hair from his head and his beard. So disturbing was the news about the people and their leaders that he ripped his clothes. He shows this extreme grief and mourning. Uh, And it also called for this extreme grief called for pulling out your hair and your beard. And what that means when you look at the word to pull out, it means to make bald. So this is serious hair and beard pulling. He's pulling this out and sitting appalled. And this means that he's sitting in horror. He's sitting in ruin. And Ezra said in horror of what had been told, he felt that the people were ruined if they continued on in this way that they were going right then. So the people that it lists, when the people come to him and say, hey, they're intermarrying with all these people, this list of people are the inhabitants of the land of Canaan before the conquest of Israel the ones that Israel was supposed to either destroy or drive out, and now they're marrying with their kids? The people of Canaan, it tells us here, had detestable practices. They worshiped idols. They sacrificed their children to their gods. They did evil in God's eyes. And here's what God told them before they went in. In Deuteronomy, as they're going in to conquer the land, God says, you must not worship the Lord your God in their way. Because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. And these pagan people, as, as, they, took, as they came into the land and conquered the land and drove some people out, they left some people, they began to assimilate some of the culture around them. And this was the reason that they were exiled, why they had been in exile for 70 years, because the people had sinned against God. They had turned their back on the ways of God. And king after king of Judah and Israel had done evil in the sight of God. And they led Israel into following detestable practices of the pagan nations around them. The people of God spent 70 years in exile because of their sinfulness. And they came back and they repented. We read about that at the beginning of Ezra. They repented. They wanted to be right with God. But then as the years passed, this next generation begins to compromise their faith. And Nehemiah, the book that's taking place at relatively the same time as Ezra, gives us further insight into what's been going on in Jerusalem. Nehemiah 13, 4 and 5 says, Before this, Eliashib, the high priest, had been put in charge of the storerooms of the house of our God. He was closely associated with Tobiah, and he had provided him with a large room formerly used to store the grain offerings and incense and temple articles. Also the tithes of grain, 
new wine and oil prescribed for the Levites, musicians and gatekeepers, as well as the contributions for priests. So here we have Tobiah, a Horonite, one of the people who were the enemies of God. When you read the beginning of the book of Nehemiah, you see that this guy is working with Sam Ballot to work against the Jewish people. He doesn't want them to build the temple. He doesn't want them to build the wall. He doesn't want them to be there. And he's working against the construction and against everything they're doing. And yet here, years later, he's renting a room in the temple of God where tithes and offerings were put, where the temple articles were stored, where the things used in the worship of God that were holy and set apart for God and now a pagan enemy is in that space using it for his ventures not for God's and he's being chummy with the high priest who should know better further down in that same chapter of Nehemiah verse 23 moreover in those days I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod Ammon and Moab Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples and did not know how to speak the language of Judah. I rebuked them and called curses down on them. I beat some of the men and pulled out their hair. So here he's pulling out the hair. I made them take an oath in God's name and said, you are not to give your daughters in marriage to their sons, nor are you to take their daughters in marriage for your sons or for yourself. Was it not because of marriages like these that Solomon, king of Israel, sinned? Yeah. Among the many nations, there was no king like him. He was loved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. But even he was led into sin by foreign women. Must we now hear that you too are doing all this terrible wickedness and are being unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women? One of the sons of Joiada son of Eliashib, the high priest, was son-in-law to Sanballat, the Horonite. And I drove him away from me. So Sanballat, this Ammonite, who is one of the types of people that God said, get them out of the land, drive them out, destroy them. Okay, so Sanballat, who's a partner with Tobiah, another of the enemies of God's people when they were working on the wall in the reconstruction of the temple, another of the pagan people subverting the plans of God. And now Eliashib, the high priest, the top priest, had allowed his grandson to marry Samballot's daughter. God was especially concerned. He says in his word, he was especially concerned about the Levites and the leaders of the people that they stay pure. Because these were the people that led them in worship these were the people that led the children of god these were the people that set an example for everyone and they were compromising they were doing things they should never have done as leaders here they served god in the holy place and how could they intermarry and allow that pagan influence in their families you see when there's compromise at the top when there's compromise at the head of a family, there's going to be further compromise down the line, further compromise in the family when we do not treat the things of God as holy and when we don't keep ourselves pure from evil, we can end up in the way where we've compromised our faith 
and we become like the people who are detestable. We become people who do evil. You and I have to set an example for our families. You and I should set an example for people around us of what it means to follow God and to hold to his ways. We shouldn't compromise our faith. You see, God wants a holy people, a people who are set apart to follow him, who are called by him to be a people of a holy destiny. So Ezra sat grieving for that day. Some people came around, and then at the evening sacrifice, he repented on behalf of the people of God. He's on his knees before God, asking for mercy, asking for God's help. Ezra 9.10 says, But now, our God, what can we say after this? For we have forsaken the commands you gave through your servants, the prophets, when you said the land you are entering to possess is a land polluted by the corruption of its people. By their detestable practices, they have filled it with their impurity from one end to the other. You see, the people's practices were so evil and so detestable to God. Even the land itself had become polluted. The people's sinful practices had made the land polluted as well by the corruption of the people. And it says in the rest of his prayer, he talks about the inheritance of the children of Israel, the inheritance of the people of God. And, And if they continue on in the way they are, he realizes they could lose their inheritance and they could lose the protection of God over the people and their destiny as the people of God so that no one would be left. And so he sat appalled and he sat praying and we need to see our nation in this way too, that we ourselves need to be right with God because how in the world can our nation be right if we are not right with God? We need to sit appalled at the evil that has invaded the church and the compromise that we all see, maybe even in our own lives with the way of the world, with the culture invading us and allowing it to dictate to us how we live our lives and how we follow God. You can't have both the world and God and put them together and worship them both. Then let's read what happened next in Ezra 10, starting at verse 1. While Ezra was praying and confessing, weeping and throwing himself down before the house of God, a large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children gathered around him. They too wept bitterly. Then Shechaniah, the son of Jael, one of the descendants of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the peoples around us. But now in spite of us, this, there is still hope for Israel. Now let us make a covenant before our God to send away all these women and their children in accordance with the counsel of my Lord and those who fear the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law. Rise up. This matter is in your hands. We will support you, so take courage and do it. So Ezra rose up and put the leading priests and Levites in all Israel under oath to do what had been suggested, and they took the oath. Then Ezra withdrew from before the house of the Lord and went to the room of Jehoahan, son of Eliashib. When he was there, he ate no food, 
and drank no water because he continued to mourn over the unfaithfulness of the exiles. A proclamation was then issued throughout Judah and Jerusalem for all the exiles to assemble in Jerusalem. So Ezra led the people in repentance, and he prayed and wept for the nation at the temple of God. And this large crowd began to gather, and they began to weep, and they began to repent. And it shows you how there's a power in one person repenting and getting right with God, that when you follow God, when you repent of the sin and you turn your life back to God and you repent of the sin you see around you, the influence that you can have over the people around you is great. There's still hope. The destiny of the people of Israel will not be lost. They have returned once more to become right with God and regain their calling as people of God. So what do we draw out of all this today? Obviously, I'm not going to go around pulling out hair and beards. Um, <laughs> There's some hard things here that they had to do. But how do we today become people of destiny? The first thing we need to do is recognize and repent. Recognize and repent. Ezra and the people repented they recognized their simple practices they repented of them you can't move forward in the calling that you have from god until you recognize the practices and attitudes that are not part of who you're called to be uh some are sinful practices the things that the, the bible says you need to lay those down those aren't those aren't for you don't be doing those things and we have to be willing to recognize that in our own lives and lay those things down we need to then repent of it and ask God's forgiveness. If I ask you, do you want breakthrough in your life? What would you say? Would you say yes? Do you want breakthrough in your life? Yes. Yeah. And part of our breakthrough has to be that repentance and laying down those things that are holding us back to take authority over them. We need to separate ourselves from the practices that are not of God. To break agreement and fellowship with anything that he says is not for us. That shouldn't be part of what we do. And, and ask God to wash it off of us, to cleanse us from that by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's time to put down the things that are not from God in our lives. You know, things that the Holy Spirit may have been putting on your heart for a while. Maybe while we've been going through Ezra. You've, you know, God's spoken to you week to week. And there's some things that you know you need to let go of. Some things you know that are, are, are needing to be left behind. And you need to recognize them for what they are. That they're sins or hindrances. And we need to put it down so we can have all that God has for us. So recognize and repent. And then the second thing we need to do is let go of the past. We need to leave it behind us. We need to let go of the past. Otherwise, it becomes like a chain that holds us back and won't let us move on to what God has because our destiny is not there. It's in the future. The things of the past are the past. Those mistakes, those hindrances, all of that needs to be left behind. And sometimes, the, you know, sure, the failures, sometimes even the successes. We don't want to hang on to the past. We need to move forward in what God has for us next. We need to receive all that he has for us as we move into the future. Otherwise, all that stuff, it's like a weight. It's like a, a chain or, or static in the line. We can't really hear what God has for us if we're so focused on the past instead of the future. 
So don't live in a way to see how close you can get to the world, how much like them you can be, but see how much like Jesus Christ can you be, and that's future. That's walking forward toward Jesus Christ. Live in a way to see how much like him you can be. And uh, Proverbs 26, 2 in the New King James says, Like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. A curse without cause, so no harbored sin, no unconfessed sin, no hanging on to something of the past. None of that can mess with you according to this. Uh, The enemy can try and attack you and attack you, but it's just going to roll right off if you aren't hanging on to something that's not for you. Just going to roll right off. So let's move forward in what God has for us. Let's move forward to that new thing. And like we said, we want breakthrough, right? I want breakthrough. I know you do too. We want freedom. We want the fullness of God in our lives. And we can't have that if we won't let go of the past. So take that memory or that sin or that behavior that needs to go and bring it to the cross of Jesus Christ and leave it there with him and ask Jesus to take it and walk away free from it. Experience that breakthrough. To find your identity and your calling, you need to be willing to put aside those things that are not good. Whatever doesn't move you closer to God, whatever isn't helpful, and what doesn't help you accomplish your calling that God has put on your life. And if you feel like this is more than you can do and you just don't know how you can get free of stuff, let me tell you, Pastor Steve and I would love to meet with you and pray through that with you. You know, come for a little over an hour and we'll just pray through stuff. It's all real, you know, easy, low-key. We just pray and claim the power of God in your life. And I got to tell you, we have seen people get free of stuff. Over the years as we've prayed with people, we have seen amazing stories of people getting free and released from things that are holding them back. So call and and we'll make time in our schedule for you. So we want to recognize and repent of the things, let go of the things of the past that are not from God. And then third, the third thing we need to do to be people of, of calling to people of destiny is to find the right path forward. Once we've repented of that wrong in our lives and once we've let it go, then we ask God to lead us on that right path forward and ask God to bring forth and resurrect the behaviors, the attitudes, and the things that are right in our life, the things that he has for us. So group question again, what is the goal of our lives? To be more like Jesus. That it? To glorify God. Yeah, exactly. In the small catechism, um, it says, to love God and glorify, to glorify him is the chief end of man. And that's so true. That's what the word of God says, to love God and glorify him. And in fact, in Mark 12, 28 to 31, it says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating Noticing Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. So that becomes our guide. That becomes our measure. You know, for all we do, loving God with all we are, glorifying him and loving others as ourselves. So if you're wondering, does this fit in my life? Put it up against that measure. Put it up against that plumb line. Part of loving God with all we are is to step into that thing that he has created us to do, our calling, our destiny in him, and be all that he created us to be. Our calling has been declared over us by God before he created the earth, before we were born. Our calling was said, spoken over us by God. In Ephesians 1, 3 to 6, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And then dropping down to verse 11 of Ephesians 1, in him we were made heirs, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. See, we were created for the praise of his glory. How awesome to think that as we live our lives following him, we do the things that bring praise and glory to Jesus Christ, praise and glory to God when we conform to the purpose of his will. We glorify him in who we are as we are becoming like Jesus Christ. And if we allow ourselves to be joined with things that pull us away from that, away from his calling and his will, we'll never achieve what God has for us. We'll be unhappy. Pastor C was talking about this earlier. We'll be unhappy. We'll be unfulfilled. We'll live a subpar version of the life that God has for us. I want to live that life that's free, that is happy in Jesus Christ, that's fulfilled, that lives satisfied in him. There's no neutral spiritually. You can't say, I'm just going to stay here. You're either moving forward as a child of God or being pulled back by the enemy. You don't just sit still. Make a decision to move forward and walk that right path, what he has called you to do. Tomorrow is Rosh Hashanah, and that's that holiday every fall. It actually begins at sunset tonight and carries on through till the beginning of sunset on Tuesday. And uh, it's the start of the year in the Hebrew calendar. And it's all about a season of beginning. Traditions say that this is a time that the world is judged for the coming year. And during the service, the Torah is read, the scriptures are read. Um, people ask for a good year and declare God's ruling, his kingship over the world. The shofar is blown symbolically heralding God's kingship and his covenant with the people. On God's calendar, there are specific times that are appointed, and this is one such time. Rosh Hashanah means the head of the year. 
This is a time for you and I to make sure that we are aligned with the purposes of God in our lives and calling on Jesus for his grace and his leading in our lives. We want to become people of destiny, people who know their calling, people who follow what Jesus has for us and receive all that he has for us. We need to recognize and repent anything that's in the way. Let go of the past and find that right path forward in him. Would you stand with me as we close? I just ask you to bow your heads. No one looking around. Uh, today there's an opportunity for you to be realigned with the purposes of God. To say, God, here's my heart, like we sang early in worship. To step into what he has for you and to move forward in the right path for your life. So today, let's dedicate ourselves to God's will for us. Today is a good day to make a statement before God, to follow him, to be willing to put aside everything that's not part of his plan, but to jump into the mighty, powerful, abundant plan of God for you. If you want to be that person of destiny following the calling of God on your life, just raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand. Amen. Lord God, you've seen our hearts. You see, Lord, what we, that we want to follow you. We want to do the things you've called us to. Father, I pray that we would not allow ourselves to become people who compromise. We don't want to be people of compromise. We want to be people of destiny in Jesus Christ. Lord God, I pray that you'd fill us up with your Holy Spirit today. Empower us, strengthen us, renew us, refresh us, Lord, and convict us of things that need to be gone out of our lives, the things that are not for us. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to just step into that calling, to get on that path moving forward in you, to do the things that you have created us for and you have called us into. Lord God, that we would be willing to become more like Jesus Christ every day and let others know about you, that we would love you and glorify you in all that we do. Thank you, Father, that we have that opportunity through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you for the lessons that we've learned as we've gone through this book of Ezra that encourage us, that challenge us. Help us, Father, to walk in a way that honors you and glorifies you. That we would achieve the things you have called us to. That we would follow you every day into the calling for that day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.